Hello and welcome to Let's Chat for a Bit, a podcast brought to you by Small Talk, Big Issues. Today we're going to try and unravel the mysteries of the mind, delve deep into the subconscious, learn what makes your mental well-being unravel late at night, early in the morning, when you're trying to have conversations with people who just don't understand. I myself have struggled with mental health problems for over 20 years. The first problem I had, or the first idea or inkling that I had anything going wrong, appeared out of nowhere. I was at university, I was at a science course, doing a master's degree, a master of science in biochemistry. And I was overwhelmed, I was pushing myself, I was not getting enough sleep, I was working insane hours in a laboratory, getting futile success for a degree that was going nowhere, a paper that was not writing itself, results and experiments that I was trying to do that that kept on failing. I felt like a failure. I was 21 years old. I had never had a girlfriend. I was surrounded by people who felt like the key to success was to drive yourself harder and harder. And I, 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 I tried to understand what was going on with me and I just didn't know what it was. I would have these thoughts, these self-doubting thoughts inside my head that say, you're not good enough. You can't do this. Why are you trying? You're going to fail. It kept on, every time I was trying to succeed, my mind would say, no, you can't succeed. And it it had been telling me this my entire life. Yes, there were histories of my life at boarding school and times that I'd been with just trying to keep to myself because I felt like being alone and being away from people was the way to be. I'd become recluse. I'd not want to get out of bed. I'd stop turning up to lectures. I'd stay in bed the whole day. Days would turn into weeks. When I did turn up, I was always groggy and tired and not rested or over-rested. I I had no energy. I had no self-motivation. Sometimes I'd work long, long hours. Sometimes I'd show up barely at all for lectures. Other times I'd cram like a whole week's worth of study into a few hours or mainly 24 hours and try and expect wonderful results. Well, guess what? The results weren't wonderful. I started having delusions. I started looking to alcohol as a solution to everything. We had hungover Friday at work. We grabbed alcohol and drank it outside in the quad. You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to drink alcohol on university grounds. But who cares, right? Because we had success. We had it all figured out. We were the top scientists. We are doing real, real research, you know, Research that could save lives. 
We weren't carrying out about our own life. We were trying to sacrifice success, wealth, fame, money, fortune for that ever-precious research post, that research article that would define history, our master's thesis, which would be our pinnacle of success. It was the success that was found in other sources. The success came when I finally acknowledged my mental health problems 20 years later when I had a serious relapse into mental health problems. Yes, I'd had the odd blip every now and then. I'd had these moments of unwellness. They were leading up to the big unwell. The unwell that would destroy your whole mental state of well-being your whole outlook of life, your whole desire for life. If you thought what happened 20 years ago was bad, mate, the second time round, it knocks you out for several years and you can't get back up again. That's what it felt like. I'm still there now. I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost. I feel like there is nowhere for me to go. I felt like there was no solution, no answer, no help. Those that did try to help were only nagging you and doing it from a point of selfishness. They were doing it to say they knew what the answer was. They didn't know what the answer was. The answer was me trying to get some care for myself, some time to recovery. But everyone who understood recovery saw it for a different lens. Family members felt like it meant being quiet about the mental health. We can't talk about it. It's a big secret. We're not allowed to discuss it. We're going to pretend it never happened. We had co-workers where they knew something was wrong. But if you mention to it, you lose your job. So why would you want to talk to about it? Um, Employment assistant programs, big divorces, loss of employment, loss of income, loss of family home, loss of access to family. These all happened all at once. Had a death in the family. Had a miscarriage. Had mortgage holidays. A partner that had lost her job. Pretty soon we separated. We went on a family excursion overseas that cost a ridiculous amount of money. I was struggling hard. I was working long hours. And I was tired of the rubbish. I was tired of the garbage. We were just fighting all the time. It was toxic. And she kept that toxicity going for several years and it was destroying me. I needed a way out. My parents were equally toxic. They tried to help. Their way of helping was to make things so much worse. You know? They know what's going on. They have the answers to everything. They're going to treat you like a little child, like you don't know what you're doing. Is that the solution? No, it wasn't. It just made me self-destruct even more. I sought refuge. I had no idea what to do. 
I tried living and sleeping in my bed because I didn't want to go to my parents' house. I knew what that would be. That would be a shit show to nowhere. So, yeah, six years ago, start of the year, after coming back from South America, I did end up going back to my parents' place. And it was constant bickering, arguing, why you don't do this, why you don't do that, go do this. What the hell are you doing? Get get on with your life. It was annoying. It was horrific. It was constant abuse from day end and day beginning and back to day beginning to day end. They knew it all. They had all the answers. And I was incompetent. I didn't know where I was going. And for someone who keeps getting that message shoved in your face day after day after day with a mental health problem, it just made my mental health problem spiral downwards and downwards into a deep, dark pit of oblivion. I I would grab casks of wine and drink them like they were lollipops. You know? Here's something solution. I finally got out of my parents' flat and moved to my own flat. They'll solve it. Wrong. Two years in the family court of divorce with more bickering and arguing. Social workers coming to see if you're a suitable parent, a suitable father for their kids to try and make truth out of the numerous lies being said by my ex-wife. It was nonsense. The manipulation, the toxicity, the constant garbage and bickering, exorbitant lawyer fees, never-ending judicial meetings that go nowhere. So after two years, I got a court order which was promptly thrown out after a visit to the big house. All that time, energy, money, effort wasted. I thought I'd won. The paper said I'd won. I'd got some kind of access. She didn't want me to see them at all. I was a worthless father. She knew it all. She knew how to raise the kids. I was garbage. I was not allowed. I was not worthy to see my kids because I had a mental health problem. She made the mental health problem so much worse, but that's not the issue. I, I, I gave those children nothing but love, but she gave nothing but resentfulness. I tried to rise above it, be the bigger person, let justice prevail. Well, justice is a liar. It's blind and corrupt. Its eyes see only what the lies tell it to through its ears. The ears were listening to the one-sidedness, gender-favoured society that is the family court that discriminates against the male ego. The male ego that wants to be a loving, caring father and provide for his kids. But you can do that by giving them money, is what the family court thinks. You don't actually need to be part of their lives. Is that the right solution? I didn't feel like it was the right solution. Just because I have problems with my ex-wife telling me what to do and my parents telling me what to do and 
having a constant argument every time I want to be around the kids. Wouldn't that do something to your mind? I felt like it did. And it definitely did. Because after going back to study, after losing my job, after eventually selling the house, after hearing so many lies that had been told, I'd, I ended up crashing and going into deep, psychotic, delusional state. I was put into hospital for over a month, at least about three months. I don't know, time lost relevance. I had no idea where one day began and one day ended. I tried to run away from my parents. We had lockdowns going out for no well good reason. The government was telling me to stay at my parents' home because I'd ended up going back there. I had no solution for looking after myself at home because I'd gone off my meds. I'd, I'd, I'd decided that being chewed up inside with the constant medication that was destroying my stomach, making me vomit, making me feel faint, making me feel groggy, was not working. It had messed my mind. It made me feel tired. It made me feel sleepy. Years of shift work and in proper diet and bad exercise and all culminated in me trying to overwork myself and put myself back into the working frame and collapse again. I couldn't handle these drugs. This medication was destroying my body from the inside. My whole gut was chewing itself from the inside out. I was coughing out blood. I was feeling dizzy, nauseous. My head was spinning. I felt like the whole world was collapsing around me. I could hear voices. I was acting paranoid, delusional. I felt like everything was a conspiracy. I ended up going to the hospital over six times in the last six years. I've been in respites. And this, now this year, this um, the year that's just gone, 2022, I've been working most of that year as a peer support specialist. But I felt like a fraud. I'd still been in hospital several times this year, that year as well, in 2022. I was trying to help people with their recovery journey and my own recovery journey was not of recovery but of self-pain, affliction and self-destruction. My arm was brutally fractured. I had suffered a humerus fracture. I am now in the state of physical agony every time I try and move my arm and get along and do normal everyday life. I was in hospital again for a very long time, six weeks. When I got out, I didn't know if I could go back to my peer support job. I had done a temporary job working for a council organisation. And I'd been through temporary jobs like they were going out of fashion. No employer was putting me on the permanent ticket. Every time there was a lockdown, it's bye-bye, sunshine, you ain't going to work here. And they weren't going to hire you on a permanent position to start off with. They were just going to keep you on 
the ticket to misery of trying to struggle to get a permanent position during times of epidemic uncertainty, crisis, and it made you feel unworthy again. Was I even good enough? Why did I study again? Why did I go back to university to do something completely different to what I'd studied? I thought I was going to do it all. I'd had an internship. I was ready to go, but then the big epidemic, the big C, you know, the 19, you know what I'm talking about, that nasty bastard, that came around the corner and it wanted to discriminate against everyone. It wanted to persecute me. It wanted to take away my rights. It wanted me to force me to do things that I shouldn't be doing against my legally entitled rights as a citizen of this country. It was unfair. It was wrong. Things were shut down for no good reason. People couldn't come in and out of the country for no good reason. People were spending huge amounts of money to get out of other countries to come here. But when they got here, it was a shit show. The government was clearly making up the ideas as they went along. They were just following what everyone else was doing in other countries and seeing how that worked. But apparently we did it so much better than everyone else. What a load of garbage. They, they forgot about the huge social impact the huge economic collapse that was unfolding in front of their eyes, people struggling with day-to-day -day necessities, the mental wellness was not doing well being forced to stay at home and being told to go out, being treated by a leper by society. You know, are we zombies? Are we that brainless that we can't go out and play with our kids in a, in, in a park? It's ridiculous. Why were the parks closed? That's the most dumb thing I've ever heard about. Beaches. You're not allowed to go there. You can't go for a swim. What nonsense. It was ridiculous. We got Saint Ashley Bloomfield, the douchebag who's recently become a knight. A knight of corruption. A knight of lies and deceit. That's what the health industry in New Zealand represents filling us with their propaganda and their one-sided reviews. They, they, they promised to re reinvigorate the health industry. All they did was change its name and increase the discrimination even more. Health workers, which I'm sad to say that I feel I'm part of now because as a peer support specialist, I'm constantly asked to do shifts, even though I'm being given certificates saying, oh, shouldn't be working. Got a broken shoulder, but not like ACC and Work and Income care about that. They're too busy saying, oh, you should have healed by now. And we're going to cancel your benefit and you have to pay back six grand to us because you've been mucking around and not doing stuff. What a load of garbage. I've been through so many different jobs and careers where they didn't look after me and didn't support me and didn't provide me with the tools that I needed to do the job or the right contract from the start. Of course someone's going to fall to pieces and turn their brain to mush. I kept on failing because they were setting you up for failure. You can't succeed in an environment like this. Or can you? Is there a way through this? Is there a way to apply mindfulness to an ever 
stressful society that it demands this much from me. Apparently there is. Apparently if I sit down and listen to the forest, everything will be just wonderful. Apparently if I forget about the fact that I'm constantly in debt and struggling for money and trying to have to sponge off my parents or work part-time as well as the benefit, as well as pay an exorbitant amount of rent and internet and telephone bills and try and support my kids on child support because my ex-wife thinks that I'm a menace to society. How is this supposed to even be physically possible? It's draining me to the point of depletion every day. I can't keep on doing it. Somehow I keep on trying to get out of bed and make sure that I can do it in this insane world. Apparently if I make my bed in the morning, that'll set the frame for the whole day. Meanwhile dishes set, set stay unwashed in the, in the sink. The bed will not get made, unfortunately. I just leave it in a state of disrepair. Washing keeps on piling itself up, ending it in the washing machine, dry and then staying in heaps. My mind is a mess. I'm struggling with my diet because I'm struggling on not enough food that's of the right quality. If I want that good quality meat or food or vegetables and nutritious diet, I have to not pay something. That's how it works. Can't pay for this, can't pay for that in order to get it. I just um, pawn off a ridiculous amount of things. I've, I called it my decluttering phase. It was also the paying the rent phase. You know, sell off all the stuff so you can actually pay your rent. I was desperate. I had no idea what to do. All the night shifts that I'd work as um, a peer support specialist and respites had destroyed my health again. I'd already done plenty of those at um, other shift work positions and warehousing jobs and government agencies that look in your bags to see if you're bringing in anything naughty or working in an office at ridiculous late hours or trying to get into the city to answer someone's telephone call while everyone else got to stay at home. The world is a nonsensical place. There's a two-tier society and I'm sad to say I've been in the second tier for the last six years and I'm sick of it. I want to get to the top. I want to give you some kind of hope. I want to give you some kind of light. Because I'm at the bottom and together we're going to walk those steps. We're going to try and come out of there. I tried so many different things. I tried going to church to see if God had the answer or Jesus. Even Buddha, um, Muhammad, I don't know. The Hindu God, Krishna, you know. I didn't know where the answers was. I felt like spirituality had been part of the answers there. Because I felt like what had happened to me was a religiously momentous, defining moment of complete mental, physical and emotional breakdown. Only a God could have done this to me. Only God was sending me a message to me to say, what has happened to you? 
Why have you done this to yourself? It was an obvious sign that he was saying to me something was wrong with myself. Was I going to listen? I tried going to church. I felt like a fraud. I was surrounded by the corruption in the churches. Gang members saying that they were redeemed, but acting in different forms of gangs. Music that's saying, Hallelujah, the Lord has risen, while they were rising the costs of the bank accounts, was the main focus of the church. Was that a true God to believe in? The end times said that the, the false prophets will come from the church. Well, I feel like there's many false prophets in many churches. The churches will offer some kind of help and some kind of assistance, a group of community. But I got chased by some of them when I tried to go to one. They tried to seduce you and follow you into the inner circle and I don't want it. I just wanted to understand what was wrong with me. I wanted to understand why God had said, this is what has happened to you. Because in, in so many parts of my mind, I felt like I was falling apart. I'd lost hope. I'd lost, I'd lost purpose. I'd lost understanding. I'd, I'd lost financially. I'd lost emotionally. I'd lost the idea of companionship, friendship. Developing connections to people seemed impossible. I felt disconnected from my own family and friends. I felt disconnected from everything. I felt disconnected from the system. I was working in the system yet I wasn't understanding how the system actually was going to treat me when I was part of it. And I tried to give my empathy to those people because I could see how broken it was. I needed a way to fix it. I needed a way to fix myself. I wanted to fix the, them as well, more than myself. I was the fixer of other people, but not of myself. And now, unfortunately, I'm going to have to bring this episode to an end. But I will try and upload more and start on a positive note next time. But this is an introduction. We always have to start at the lows. The low, start, the low point is the turning point. We're going to reach the turning point because this is a chapter, this is 2023, we're going to have a chapter of turning and an awakening of people that have learnt to harness the techniques because there are techniques out there that will get you through these dark times like I've just described. described. Because I know you're all feeling like this. this. The start of this year and the end of all these other years was the same shit show for you. I'm guaranteeing you had the same garbage going on in your life at the same time. And we're going to get the answers together. So thank you for listening and I hope you tune in next time. Goodbye.